Welcome to another fun and exciting episode of The Rogues in the House, a podcast dedicated to the love of all things sword and sorcery, delivered with 100% enthusiasm from self-proclaimed experts. So hold the shield wall, because the rogues are in the house. Welcome, gents. Welcome. How's your summer going? Hey, if you were to ask me, I would say it's awesome, because I am a teacher, and I'm not currently working. <laughs> Sorry. Some of us are teachers, and we still have to work during the summer. Yeah. Oof, I, bad deal. I actually think like so. I used to hate winter the most. I think I hate summer the most now. Actually, oh, it's not I even because I'm working. It's just, it's just hot. It's yeah. so hot here. Um, my air conditioner is crap because the guy who remodeled the house cut a bunch of corners, so the air conditioner is like all janky and chugging along, and it's just it sucks. I hate it. Um, I'm ready for fall, which is the best season. Yes, followed it is by spring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. There's only so down, naked man. you can get. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still yeah. hot. <laughs> Hate it. Hate it. Yeah. So. And right now he is absolutely naked. We I do am. not have video, but he is not wearing anything. Yes. Yep. He's <laughs> just a swamp donkey over there. <laughs> he Crazy. has stood up a couple of times, and our <laughs> eyes have burned. Yeah. Now <sighs> you, you've heard all of us uh, psychopaths yakking away, but there is one more rogue in this house. Uh, he is a rogue him in. in this house a few times, and yet he keeps coming back, and we don't know why. Despite his better judgment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on. He has a book to promo. And it's Mr. Howard Andrew Jones. How are you, sir? Hey, everybody. It's good to be here. I especially like the view over Matt's shoulder where I can see all those cool action figures. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see also the weight bench? But the uh, oh, yeah. you can see that in the background. And above that is a map of the Hyborian Age and a Frazetta Frost Giant's Daughter uh, print, which is a glimpse into my entire life, action figures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Waits, Conan. In Frazetta. a nutshell, right there, yeah. I mean, what can I say? It's This is my lair. At some it's point, not, I'm going to have to move. Though. I'm going to have to move my recording and computer to the armory so that. You should. You should. I mean, that's all. I want to be part of the cool much. kids, too. Yeah. So, Howard, thanks for joining us. Um, I hate to tell you, though, we are right in the middle of a serious trip into the bazaar of the bizarre. And so we're going to have to just uh, interrupt book promotions for, for a very special piece, something near and dear to your heart, only for a few more moments so we can make our way through this uh, Liberian uh, market. Yes. What's Liberian? the what's the say? Uh, is it Lieber or Liber? Liber. Okay. Liber, yeah. Oh, say- Liberian. Yeah, yeah, I was Liberian. like, uh, I thought uh, you were talking about a, like the country. <laughs> I am the captain now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hear he was a little bit touchy about Lieber. So, okay. Yeah. Well, you'd know, and uh, just so you all know that at Tales from the Magician Skull, uh, the finest sword and sorcery magazine on the market that Howard Andrew Jones edits that I have been fortunate enough to be published in, that Logan will be published in in an upcoming issue. Um, he, They have the rights to produce new Fafford and Grey Mouser stories and have been doing so. Um, Great and fun. If you're, not, if you're not buying The Magician's Skull, you should. <laughs> We've said it. You're stupid if you don't. There's all kinds of copies in this bazaar right now, actually. I see them everywhere. And, and I recently, so I don't, follow the discord all that much but i saw 
someone say, I'm sure it was Howard, said that Bane has been contracted to make ebook versions? That is correct. Uh, we've been getting requests from the very beginning that the oh, yes. weren't good enough. So these will be uh, Moby and whatever format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good for me. I got my e-reader here with a copy of your book on it. Oh. So, yeah, there's yeah. a copy of that book too. It's shining way at the end. It's once we exit. It's like it's actually like yeah. a parting, it's a parting gift. They're like, here's a copy of Howard's new book. Yeah. Uh, uh. Um. All right. In this so, bazaar, who would like to go first? It's not going to be me. Um. I'll go. Um, okay. Only because I was fairly hard at work today. Um polishing up a professional looking website for rogues in the house presents which is our publishing arm um currently we do have book of blades volume one and volume two out um which we intend to have a regular release schedule um in july for book of blades um next year already talking with authors and artists about um volume three uh, we are also working with um, famed author uh, John Fultz to publish a out-of-print uh, anthology called Revelations of Zang. Yeah. Um, a secret preview is actually in Book of Blades uh, 2 because one of the story, or his story in Book of Blades 2 is one of the 13 stories in this collection. So that'll probably that'll be out in December, right in time for for your holiday season. Um, he John also had another book recently um, that I have a copy of. Darker than Weird is a horror oh, yeah. anthology um, that is also very good. I'm not as big as a of a horror reader, but if you are and you like weird fiction, um, you know you can't you're you're hard pressed to find someone better than Fultz. Yeah, he's a strong. He's a strong writer, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, Rogues in the House Presents dot com is where you will be able to find links to our books, a blog that Matt and I will both read. I will have a review of Howard's new book here. Um, by the time this this airs, um, we intend to have you know pretty regular postings. We have a mailing list, stuff like that. Promise not to spam your email. Um, but it, if you are invested in the reading and writing side of us, that's where you're going to find the news. Yeah. And a book of blades volume two, it's out. You should buy it. Um, you should enjoy it and read it and then review it. Oh my God. If you <laughs> reviewed it, we would slap all the fives with you. Uh, I noticed actually our guest Howard, he's, he's just such a gentleman. He, he showed me that he has picked up his copy of it. It just arrived today. I guess this is my bizarre of the bizarre. I was really disappointed it wasn't scratch and sniff, but other than that, it's a, it's a pretty good looking book. I love that uh, almost every story seems to have a uh, illustration. Yes, yes, Gilead artist, um, such a gentleman, um, graciously provided us um, art for for this volume, which wow. is interesting because we've kind of decided on something new, perhaps in that. Um, we're going to try, I don't know, it's something we're going to try for the next issue anyway, it sounds like. We'll get a particular artist to do the whole thing. Um, just kind of give us a, a touch of their sketchbook and some of their pieces to display. Um, and so, well, we won't reveal who it is for volume three yet, but in volume two, it is Gilead. Yep. Very nice. Well, I do look forward to uh, 
I do look forward to reading it. Thank you. I do look forward to having time. And when I have time, I look forward to reading it. <laughs> yes. Matt or Logan, explain exactly why the reviews are so important. Gosh. Um, so technically speaking, um, we publish through Amazon, and Amazon is run by freaking robots who are <laughs> mysterious and don't explain how they promote your book. Um, all the vagueness aside, uh, the more ratings and reviews you have, the more visible your book is when people search. Um, there's no direct one-to-one ratio. I do know that ratings have less value than written reviews and written reviews with pictures have the most value. Huh. So like if you're a hmm. customer and you're scrolling through Amazon and you see people with like dumb pictures, like their coffee mug, it's because they're trying to, you know, get a more relevancy, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. It's all a mystery. Hmm. Um, also like if you have, if you can break the top 100 of 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 a a category, ours would be what was it, fantasy anthology? Yeah, Matt? fantasy anthologies. Um, yeah, yeah. You uh, you get pushed up as well. So because we're so small, um, we can't necessarily afford to pay every day for ads and whatever. Um, we do rely on visibility through those things because the algorithm controls our lives now. Yeah, I mean it's 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 John Connor shit. It's like we got to rise up and figure out how the machines work so that we can exploit them back. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Dean. I was say, does the length of a review make any difference? No. Not necessarily. I no, I don't think so. Um, but again, I don't really know. I mean, you hear all yeah. these things, right? Some of this is anecdotal. Some of it's just, um, I don't know what what people have gleaned and like this is the kind of crap we talk about on writing. Well, and forms. I hear it's really important that it's uh, highly reviewed. That like even yeah. a three-star review is bad yeah it's not useful uh sadly it's not useful to to the author yeah 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 not Um, not in not in the way that it will help promote sales and push them up right like you're almost better to have a write a three-star review but score it at five if you want to kind of tip your hat to the person right if you're like overall i support what you're doing the five-star review seems to be the thing i hate that this is the conversation yeah yeah uh, yeah. it's, it's almost like there's reviews that are meant to support things you want to support, give it five stars, write your thing. If you want to write your thing, there's also like, if you want to take, have a serious introspective look, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, um, which is unfortunate. I, again, hate that that has to be the, the way it no, is. Even, uh, so you're saying even four star reviews aren't, uh. Well, so, that's very if, sad because the yeah. vast majority of people do not understand how these things work and how they benefit or harm yeah. a publishing company like this. Because yeah. Amazon really doesn't make any real money, I guess. Just like – that's not – they're making lots of money. They don't make <laughs> money when specific authors succeed. They don't care if you're succeeding or not. Their idea is that if your book has only five stars, it sells more and they get a bigger cut, right? Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. they're just engineering it, yeah, in their favor. Yeah, right. They're, yeah. Okay. So, we so I don't know. So is, is that – I don't think that's an exclusive Amazon thing. No, like it's no, just, I'm sure it's not. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I mean on that end, Amazon owns Goodreads, and Goodreads reviews don't show up automatically on Amazon, although Amazon recently made it – yeah, where I see you can them on see there. the Goodreads yeah. thing on there as well. Interesting. So. 
That's well, and this is we talked entirely about... delightful, unfortunately. Yes, yes, exactly. That's what we were saying uh, before we started here. Is just that like the other side that's not the writing is just a it's a maze, man, and it's you just want to write. You don't want to uh, pass all these dex checks to or yeah, you know. And you know, that's not to discourage anyone. If someone hated something I wrote and gave it one star and an honest, thoughtful review, that's fine. I love it. Tell me what I did wrong and what I can do better. Um, don't just be like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, a one-star you know, review is just, what is a one-star? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what kind of direct you're putting online that would warrant a one-star <laughs> review. <laughs> right. Well, I've, I've gotten some. Yeah. I, I, got yeah. great, I got a great five-star review. It was, um, this is my very favorite. It said, arrived on time and in great shape. <laughs> I <Yeah>. love those. <laughs> uh, that's uh, as good a job author yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as, like, surely as, you're doing yeah yeah that's good yeah. stuff that's good stuff all right let's move this let's move sure. this truck along here we're staring at one table we're just like oh look at all these things we got to go to other tables at this bazaar yeah. um I'll, I'll go uh just to get this uh out of the way so uh gen con is in like a week yes. uh by the time this debuts i mean it's like tomorrow a week from tomorrow i'll be flying Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exciting. I didn't think I was going. I think all I said all three on the of you are going to be there. Yes, all yeah, three of us. So. Um, yeah. And all three of us. And obviously, I'm excited to go to Gen Con. I'm excited to see you. Get, mostly, I really am just excited to see the people uh, break bread, hang out, talk on a panel, that sort of thing. But the other thing I'm super excited about is that uh, I am going to take this Conan RPG that I've been developing. Uh, well, then we've been developing at Monolith, but I'm I'm writing the engine uh, right now, and we're gonna give it a test run at Gen Con because what better place to do it? Um, it's not like an official capacity. Monolith does not have a booth this year, but uh, I'm super psyched just to get some reactions outside of my close friend group, um, who frankly would be brutally honest with me <laughs> if it sucked. They would not, uh, but you know you gotta you gotta get it out into the world, and so. Man, I'm really psyched to do that. Howard, I think you're going to play. Yes. Uh, if I can make it, I will be there. Dean, yeah. Uh, Friday you get, night. You, gonna... you, are set, you are set on Friday night. We are set on Friday. It'll be after six at some point. Because I think Howard and I, I don't know. Are we on the same panel? Five oh, to six on several Friday. panels. I don't know. Maybe it's that uh, fight to the death with the Gorn. I can't remember what's uh, Hey, listen, you beware my, my chop. <laughs> My Kirk chop, man. I'll get you. <laughs> Flying jump kick. Yeah. Kirk foo is what they call it. Heck, maybe we should do, if we have a chance, fellas, um, another impromptu episode recorded from a phone, if we have the time, if we have the moment. Yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. All right, rock on. So that's my bizarre pick, is that Gen Con's coming up. It's, uh, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So my Dean. bizarre pick is... Uh, uh, you didn't steal any thunder, but I'm going to Gen Con myself. But uh, I, I've been really busy, but I got some really fun, geeky time in over the weekend. I went to the Renaissance Fair up in yeah, uh, I saw the pictures, Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's always Kenosha. so much fun. And I resisted buying another sword. I had it in my hands, and I had my hand on my wallet, and I resisted. I resisted. It was, and I regret it. What? Oh, what? Oh. What? what stayed your hand dean <laughs> i regret it i regret it it was a beautiful arming sword perfectly balanced it was just gorgeous and the right price and i said 
I'm going to Gen Con next week, and that's very expensive. So I said no. Dean, you boomered yourself. Well, Uh, I can still (laughs) buy it. I can still buy it because I know people up there. And I actually said that, and I don't even know what that means, basically. I, just I don't like, know what that means. You, you're either. just like, you pulled on my dad, and you were like, oh, it's a thing I really want, but can't justify the cost right now, even though I could totally afford it. <laughs> and that is I, absolutely I do true. that all the time. That's my <laughs> yeah. life. I do, yeah. too, man. I, you know, yeah. I'm there as well. But I want to I, I suggest to all of you, here's my real bizarre pick, is um, you have to definitely check out, if you ha- are able to, it's on the CW network, which is now, I think, totally online. It's called oh, the CW. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're no longer an actual broadcasting company. Sure, I think sure. they're totally Wait, online. Is it free? Yes. Yes. Oh, hello. I like that price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is called the show. It's a series um, documentary of 1982, the geekiest year oh. ever. And I sent you guys a link to it. It you is did, you did. such a good documentary because literally in 1982 i was a very young teenager in 1982 and was i even a teenager in, i don't know but i spent most <laughs> he's probably most, like 30 <laughs> i spent most of 1982 in a movie theater because let's face it all these great movies came out in 1982 back no, to the one big one conan beastmaster yeah. uh sword and the sorcerer uh, all the ET. All You're putting movies. Sword and the Sorcerer and ET on the same pop cultural platform. Oh, here, yeah. Is, but what uh, I'm saying is, they were all sh- movies that I, know. I loved, and I watched them. Star Trek was the, the Wrath thing? of Khan. Yeah, and the, thing? Khan and the thing, out. the thing, yes. Thing is Blade, Blade Runner one summer? Blade wow. Runner also did yeah, Rambo. That's... I feel like I saw Rambo also. Rambo, yeah. Whoa, wow. shit, that is some big hits. Yeah. So they said that 1982 was the penultimate year for blockbuster movies because sure. they had a blockbuster coming out on one weekend, and then the next weekend you had another one. People were like, "Well, how do I go to all these movies? I'm going to run out of money." Um, and they do a really good job of going. Giving some attention to all of the movies. Okay. Um, it's it's really worth watching. There's only three episodes out so far. I think it's going to be a, sure. a six or eight episode documentary, and then they're done. Hmm. But it's called uh, 1982, the geekiest geekiest year ever. Rad. Or the best geek year or something like that. Just to circle back very quickly to something we talked about on the previous episode. Uh, maybe it's the one that hasn't aired yet. I don't know. But – um, the Arnold documentary. Yeah, I, I, fi- I finished that and like, man, I, I did. I really thought highly of that documentary. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Very um, well done. We'll talk about it another day, but uh, yeah, at the at the end, they played um, David Bowie's. Uh, oh, what was it? What song was it? Uh. If only oh, we had a, if only had Ger- oh, it was Heroes. It was Heroes. Bowie's Heroes, but yes. um, in German. Bowie uh, singing it in, in German. Funny. And uh, it's like the, the Venn diagram of my life, like the two men I probably, you know, men that I don't know in real life that I idolize the most, probably Arnold Schwarzenegger and David Bowie. <laughs> and like oh. <laughs> at the end, it, it came together and I was just like, whoa. Um, so we'll talk about that later. Let's yeah. talk about something else. Let's talk about... Yeah. The Lord of a Shattered Land. Yes, let's leave this dusty 
bizarre behind. Yeah. Let's get some real heroic talk in here. Some muscular prose um, about a you know uh, the fiction we all crave: the heroic fantasy, the swords and the sorcery. And uh, from what I understand, Howard Andrew Jones is about to serve up a gigantic. It is a uh, hefty my metaphor is failing. My metaphor is failing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Howard, is it like the longest book you like? Is it your longest page count? Uh, until book two. Yeah, uh, my wow. Amazon has it listed as five hundred and seventeen pages. Is that is that accurate? Sometimes that, uh, they're off. Yeah, that's correct. Although yeah. there's also a sneak peek at the back. That's sure, a, sure. The chap, most of a chapter of book two in it. But yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, as I, I mean, we can talk about that, but it, it, what do you have to say about your book, Howard? Yeah. Tell us well, about this book, Howard. Give us a sense of the genesis, how this came to be, where it's published. There's a lot going on here. Well, since first, last we warn, spoke, first I should warn people that uh, when they hear hefty tell me, they're thinking like, "Oh my god, right?" right yeah, it's it's probably going to be slow and padded. No, 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 it is not. Not with you, sir. We know better. <laughs> We've heard you preaching from that. Uh, which skull shaped box of soap, which I think is like a fascinating aspect of this, um, which I, again, I, I wrote about it in my review. Um, this is both to me, a collection of short stories and a full length novel. Um, because the short stories will feed into an overarching narrative, which I believe on a previous episode, you said you kind of likened to uh, like a season of television. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, exactly. Each one, I that was the little game I played with myself. I wanted each one to be able to stand alone. If I'll be honest, the climactic conclusion of the season probably might be able to stand alone, but it's you're not going to enjoy it as much. Right, right. Unless you've read everything before it. But all the others, I wanted to be able, if you just like popped one open out of a magazine and read it, that you'd understand it. But I think they're so much richer if you read them in order because you get to see so many, uh, you see a topic introduced in this story and then resolved in a later story. You get to see a villain return. You get to see secrets unveiled and ongoing arcs uh, unspool. And, and the, you got a little nice little map at the beginning that actually plots out the course of this book when i think that's fun um i like that i can like follow his little journey oh so, that's cool yeah. yeah i always like that in a book i always enjoy yeah. having a map so you can kind of yeah. just reference where you're at in that particular world yeah yeah my son drew that map i was uh, oh really it's yeah. it's a great map very talented yeah does he draw your maps for your D D games uh you know what? He has drawn maps. It's been a long time since we've played. Uh, oh. Yeah. I was going to say, Howard's about to say what D&D games. I mean, <laughs> just writing and writing. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. Hey, if you've played once in a year, that's still playing the game. you still got your fingers in the fire. <laughs> Probably more regular than a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> Careful. I'm going to end up on a, on a tangent about how I prefer an RPG now that's a one-off and doesn't have to be yeah. a continuing epic Same. narrative. Me too. Um, but but, thing. Uh, so, so you're not so alone. But that's Howard. Your book is, I mean, that is kind of a brilliant format for uh, right now. I mean, I think it's a brilliant format either way. But the idea that yes, you've got a you've got these standalone tales, which by their very nature they have to move. You're going to have momentum. Mm -hmm. 
um, and just kinetic energy throughout these stories because if they are meant to be compact and fleet, but you break them up over several tales and then you have your cap at the end that brings it all together. I mean, I don't know how else, how else you capture attention span so well these days. Yeah, it's a, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, it, uh, it, it didn't used to be that uncommon. Um, mm. but sure. It's not done anymore. And I'm super glad that Bane was so incredibly receptive to the concept. I'm hoping that readers will be too. It really does. I mean, I didn't, it'd be awesome if someone picked up and made a season out of it, but the, I wrote it because that's how it needed to be written. Uh, You know, that's just how it came to me. And that's how I wanted to present it. And I wanted each book to feel like a satisfying uh, season, even though there's stuff that, uh, at the end of the book that obviously will lead into one that follows. But uh, I, I didn't want cliffhangers. I wanted it to uh, to feel like a whole. You know, at this yeah. point, Hanover's gotten to this point in his journey. And this is what's happened. And we're going to be looking forward to these things next season. Yeah. That's how I, I, that's I, how I, that's I like my TV shows, too. I, yeah. I get so tired of having this huge huge storyline that and the cliffhanger at the end and yeah. it bugs me now i don't know why that is but it just yeah. does look well, shows get canceled and do get finished exactly uh, that's the problem yeah, that, that's that's the fear mm-hmm. but uh I, I guess yeah that's what i'm saying howard is I, I don't know that's just framing it that way is i just feel like it's a smart idea and i think modern like readers are readers right they want all kinds of different things but readers also watch television a lot of the time so it's like if you're playing to that kind of sensibility and how we consume that content now um i don't know man i think that could be i think that could make a really a a big splash so yeah let's go uh why don't you tell us I, i mean sword and sorcery in a lot of ways is uh built on the backs of reoccurring characters, right? Your, your through line characters, your heroic characters. Why don't you tell us about yours? Um, so those who are unfamiliar, uh, have not been keeping up on what's about to drop. Um, yeah. Tell us what they're in for. Sure. Hanover. The, the thumbnail is it's kind of like uh, captain America or James Bond versus the Roman empire. Or, uh, since, you know, that, that doesn't quite get it. So maybe it's a little bit like the adventures Aragorn would have if Sauron had won. Um, so those are the elevator pitches, but that still doesn't quite get it. It's um, Those are good elevator pitches. Yeah, though, yeah, actually. Yeah. They're very good. Yeah. 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 Uh, someone on uh, someone on the Discord, John, I think it was John Olfert. I'm not sure yeah. how to pronounce his last name, right? Said it's a little bit like uh, Prince of Egypt if uh, Moses was played by Denzel Washington's version of the Equalizer. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. But uh, Hanavar is a little bit different from your ordinary sword and sorcery character. Yes, refreshing. Uh, yeah. Um, well, because your examples here, um, Captain America, at least we, we can all, at least from the movies, he's a pretty uh, wholesome individual. Um, so I is, love Captain uh, America. Yeah. Love Captain yeah. America. Always, always have. Uh, James Bond, perhaps less wholesome, but ultimately good. Um, same with Aragorn. Uh, Aragorn is a hero. Um, mm-hmm. 
and even Denzel Washington's equalizer is a brutal man, but always sticking up for the little guy, which is right. something I I distinctly no, noticed when I was reading it. And I I love it. I, I know some people like the shades of gray more in, in their sword and sorcery, but I think it's um it's a beautiful take. I think that shades of gray has kind of become a little too too much in it's a worn lot out it's welcome to me yes it has that's personal. a good way to say it. it's worn out it's welcome it's a little overdone anymore the world's so morally gray that that's right nice to have some something clear mm-hmm. <laughs> and so howard there's uh with hanovar there's there's a historic analog sure sure well maybe i should tell people a little bit what the what the whole thing's about yes yes please do yeah. So when the Durvins came for the city of Volanis at last, its people fought block by block, house by house, until most of them fell with sword in hand. Only about a thousand survived to be led away in chains, and the Durvins salted the earth. They looted the treasuries, they set fire to the temples. The destruction was complete except for one small thing they overlooked. Hanavar Cabrera the greatest general of Volanis had escaped uh-huh. alive. And against the might of a vast empire, Hanavar has only an aging sword arm, a lifetime of wisdom, and the greatest military mind in the world bent upon a single goal. No matter where his people have been taken, from the furthest outpost of the empire to its rotten heart, he will find them, every last one of them, and he will set them free. I and gotta I... say... Love gave, that. Gave me some chills. Um, also, that was very um Stan Lee of you. I felt like I felt <laughs> Excelsior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You needed slightly more alliteration, Howard. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you would have <laughs> you would have been there. It was close. It was close. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's so, but okay. So is this guy um we're talking Captain America, right? But this guy kind of wants a bit of revenge, too. No. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah, what Logan's he, uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, uh, he lays it out. All he wants is to have his people back together. Yeah, that, that's his his motivation, which I think is heartfelt. Um, but he's uh, he's he's uh, he's seen some stuff, right? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't have time to waste on revenge. There's he has times running out. He's got to get to these people. They're scattered across the empire, and some are in terrible circumstances. And you know, the longer it, he knows, the longer it takes. Some of them might not make it, right? So he doesn't have time to waste on uh, on uh, petty things like revenge. He's got. He's bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a he's a grown man, right? He's uh, he's in his late middle age. He's a, he should be uh, retired and raising children and watching his grandchildren, not raising children, watching his grandchildren play. And he can't because his civilization has been destroyed. Right. So let me ask you this, just from a writer to another, uh, do you think you feel more comfortable, uh, you know, out of your youth? That's not me throwing shade at your age, <laughs> but like, do you feel more comfortable writing a character from that point of view? Because I, I feel as though just for me, you know, I'm, I'm 41, but I, there's certain things I can write about now. There's certain miles on me that I can report about that I could not have as a young man. Do you find that 
that that's a i mean it's almost a stupid question but no 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 it's it's absolutely true as a matter of fact i came up with this character um 2009 2010 and i actually showed an early draft of the first story to john o'neill when black gate was still a magazine oh wow um but i sensed he couldn't he couldn't publish it because black gate stopped being in print and then it took me years to try and get it right and i didn't have I didn't have the skill to do it the way I wanted. It's like, I knew, I knew it needed to be better. I knew it had to be stronger and maybe it had to be, maybe it had to be deeper into middle age myself, or maybe I just needed to be a better writer or maybe it was both things. But yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly I've got more perspective now to be able to write a character like this. It's, it's just to me that the heartwarming bit is that like, there's so many other hobbies you might do or things you're into, but writing is a thing that, I don't know, man, the age is, it's only been better, like the older I get, you know, and that's, that's, I don't know, just for anyone who who writes or is thinking like, oh, I'll do that someday or, or this or that. It's man, I, it's an old man. It can be an old man's game. And that's, I, that's refreshing. I gotta say, I agree. Um, I'm, I think I'm 35 or will be 35. I don't know. Numbers are not a thing <laughs> for Logan. Um, but I have ideas that I am consciously aware of that need more experience to put on paper. Um, it's just, just the way it is. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough skill to convey the things I want to convey. It's there. I'm not as prolific a writer as Matt and Howard has us outnumbered by um, probably decades. No shade at your age. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Man, I'm uh, really feeling it today for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Howard, staying out of what movie? What movies came out in 1982 and you were? I'm staying out of this freaking conversation. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, it comes with practice. It comes with experience because I. This is lame, but ultimately, it's an art, and art tends to refine with experience, um, both emotionally and physically and spiritually. If that's your jam, so I get it. I get it. So Howard, this book comes out August one, one. So this episode will will have dropped before that time. Um, I, I mean, obviously, th- it sounds like I'm wrapping up. I'm not wrapping up. No, um, <laughs> I'm just uh, at this point. How do you? How are you feeling pre-launch? Right, you're with a new publisher. Uh, the publisher seems very supportive of what you're doing, um, Bane. And yeah, you're, you, I mean, I mean, this character has been floating around, right? He's been in the magician's skull. He's been in other places, um, but he's about to drop in a little more of a major way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so shattered lands coming out in August and then just a few months later in October, uh, the sequel is coming and it's even more tightly uh, integrated actually than, um, than book one. They're, they all sure. still stand alone, but it's uh, the threads are even tighter. Um, but so I've got this big one-two punch coming, and I'm both excited and terrified. You know, yeah, I bet. Uh, new publisher taking a chance on me, signing me for five books, and it's sword and sorcery, and it's um, it's sort of a, a format that the modern fantasy writer uh, readers really don't see very often, and it's not medieval. You know, it has this ancient Mediterranean vibe. I'm like, man, I'm right. I'm <laughs> I'm doing a bunch of stuff that. Uh, 
And, you know, and it's not a young prophesied uh, boy slowly learning to master his power. And, um, you know, it's, it's none of those things. It's about a seasoned veteran in his, uh, in his middle years. Um, so yeah, I'm nervous. What, what will modern readers think about it? I, I generally find that people who read it are, are really digging it. At least that's the sense I get. Maybe they're just all being kind to me, but uh, no, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I'm getting the sense that it's going over very well. I'm just going to spill the beans that I have not read it yet. I'm waiting for a physical copy. Logan and I Dean. Have- Yes, well, uh, I have Logan, delved into Logan it. Logan has read it, yeah. and Dean's been into it. Dean, what you had something you were itching to say there, yeah? Well, part of it was I was very surprised that, you know, you've got something coming up in August and then another release in October. That seems very unusual. That doesn't happen that often, does it? I mean, it doesn't seem like it happens in the publishing world that a book will come out, and two months later, you've got a sequel. I think they – I think Bain wants people to know that they're serious about this mm-hmm. and that this is a series that they mean to support and is here to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this isn't just like, oh, he's going to write one and maybe he'll eventually get around to another. No, I mean, two are done. And three is uh, three is finished in a rough draft form and I'm currently revising it. And I have plotted out, plotted out the rest. This isn't going to, people aren't going to be waiting a long time. I love this character. I can't stop writing him. Good, so good. There isn't going to be a there isn't going to be a problem in delivery. That was my other question, and you're leading right into it. Um, I know your influence and and who you're kind of modeling him after, um, <laughs> but many people may not know, and that would be Hannibal. Correct. Yeah, and I of Carthage and murdering imaginary cannibal dude, but the uh, yes the yeah, yeah, yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah. I always hate that because I always thought of Hannibal as the Carthaginian general and then Hannibal right. Lecter came out. And so that yeah. shifted the dynamic. And when you say Hannibal, they all think of the cannibal. Yeah, People say, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, boy, I've, I've always, I've always admired Hannibal. And they're like, oh, the, the cannibal guy. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. So what is your, um, tell me a little bit about that. I, I, cause I love history. Roman history is one of my mm-hmm. favorite time periods too. And the fact that you picked Hannibal, and kind of basing your character on that, that's really very interesting to me. Well, sure. For starters, he was brilliant. I mean, absolutely yes. brilliant. We're talking like Sherlock Holmes level brilliance, except he wasn't uh, He wasn't like the modern conception of him as this weird autistic genius. Uh, Hannibal was also uh, an incredible leader of men. Uh, he wasn't leading like a big nation of uh, one people. It was this polyglot group and... Uh, made up of a bunch of different nationalities speaking a bunch of different languages and they never mutinied. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is, well, his, he was very wily, almost a Zorro like wiliness, uh, which is fascinating to read about, but there's lots of, there's lots of fascinating, brilliant generals who had cool campaigns that you can read about. I think in the end, the thing that fascinates me most about Hannibal is that he's so different from the other great generals of antiquity, most of whom were about land acquisition. And if you just read about him in summary, uh, it kind of gets glossed over. You don't get the details. When he crossed the Alps, it wasn't to conquer Italy and bring it into like some sort of uh, empire of Carthage. He was marching against Rome to stop Rome. He didn't even ex- plan to like exterminate it. He meant to fight it to a standstill uh, and then get them to back off. And to relinquish some of these territories, especially some that had taken from Carthage, but also 
uh, he realized that if Rome continued to grow, they would probably uh, expand and it would be the end of his people. And by God, 50 years after his death, he was right. Because when mm -hmm. Rome came for Carthage, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, they did They did everything that I have happen in the book, right? They right. Uh, sow the ground with salt. They drag all of its people off into slavery. It was an extermination. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was this. Uh, he was basically a patriot, uh, rather than a uh, a conqueror like Alexander. Yeah, I I I recognized it immediately when you were just given a description of Hannibal, and had I not known before who you were modeling him after, I think I would have picked up on that immediately, and I hope that the readers do too. And I think knowing that it might actually add a lot more to their uh, enjoyment of the book. Right. Um, it definitely gives a sense of history, um, which some of your stylistic approaches have also like bolstered that. Like I said, um, before we even started here, I guess, um, there are there's a framing device and also footnotes that kind of go into Thank you, Logan. Um, yeah. which it's almost, I guess, presented in a way that is like it's not a textbook and it's like it's dry, but it's like this is a history. And and it's like, oh, yeah, someone might not know this. You put it in the uh, footnotes. Because, yeah. yeah, the footnotes were so refreshing to me because yeah. I love footnotes. I love footnotes because I read so much history and sometimes they want to go into more detail than they have time for in the actual yeah. narrative. And so they put that little footnote. And if you care to read about it, you can. And when I saw that, I thought maybe it was just part of the the copy that i have which was yeah. just a pdf it was not a published version so i didn't know if that was actually in the book but logan you just confirmed that yeah. so that's really cool so Kudos to you for doing that this is i guess i'll also admit i don't read as much sword and sorcery um i have a lot of reading interests um i can't just focus on one so maybe maybe i just haven't encountered it you but, shouldn't <laughs> you should read other things fair don't be like uh, matt don't be a one-trick pony uh, <laughs> what the shit <laughs> i don't even <laughs> i read a variety uh Anyways, <laughs> god damn it, go back to it. Something I noticed immediately is that you have like in-world names for monsters and creatures, which I typically associate with my limited experience in epic fantasy, which are like, you know, your classics, like Wheel of Time, whatever kind of stuff. Um, and usually in pulpy sword and sorcery, it's like ape thing, frogman. Like using <laughs> using descriptors plus something weird and mashing it together to evoke a, a feeling where you just straight up name stuff. And that's where the footnotes kind of come in. The footnotes, at least in the few first few stories, kind of give more background um, and also kind of a better idea of what the thing is you're looking at, um, which I love. Um, I really like that part of it. Um, but I thought that was kind of bold that you name that stuff? Where do you come up with the names? Like, are these just things? Or are these based off mythology I haven't heard of or what? He's played D&D. Oh, &D. He knows how to do it. <laughs> no, I just, um, I guess I just feel it and go for it. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. Since I wanted to have an ancient Mediterranean vibe, I, I didn't want to come up with anything that was like too far out of field. 
Although right, right. There's, some, there's some horrific stuff in there that you haven't seen in any Greek myth, but I also didn't want to like use, oh, it's a minotaur. I didn't want to. Yeah, right, right. I didn't want to do that either. So I, yeah. I tried to come up with weird, weird twists on stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I thought it was very successful, um, which I guess, and again, maybe this is like my personal reading, um, coloring this uh, again pulpy sword and sorcery often leans hard into like weird cosmic horror which i guess at the point i am at i have not quite had that similar like lovecraftian evoked feeling is that conscious or am i misreading things what about uh, story four the second death of hanavar see again that might be my like coloring yeah. of of how i view that, things that um thing yeah i could see into the arena yeah. yeah 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 i could i could see i could see that um for sure yeah yeah, yeah. that makes sense um and it, it's probably just the way i process the reading so logan are you feeling like you're burned out on the tentacle monsters and sword and sorcery and you found this refreshing um Yes. Uh, yes and no. Yes and it's no. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I like a good tentacle monster. The problem is good tentacle monsters are so few and far between. Um usually Sometimes just, a tentacle monster is just a tentacle monster, Logan. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine, right? Um and this was it Jason Ray Carney wrote a a thing the other day. Yeah, he put up an interesting uh Post um, on, that's a separate issue, I guess. Yeah, right. But uh, on Spiral there's, Spiral Tower Press, like there's right? a f- yes, right, right, right. There's a formula that a lot of classic stuff follows, and a lot of people like to follow the formula, and that's fine. That doesn't mean it's bad. But Jason points out, you will come to a point where it's going to feel like, "Hey, I've read this before," and I thought yeah. that was a profound, you know, thought. Um, when I read lord of the shattered land i do not get that feeling i feel more like i'm reading uh like a like a an author's take on a greek myth which you know fits i also really love the ancient setting um uh, i i'm just as a reader less enamored with things i've seen before i guess Yeah. yeah good 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 yeah I mean, I'm I'm delighted to hear these things, um, right? I want people to really be rooting for this character. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. Uh, you know, as a you know, I've I've read um, a bunch of Howard stories, mm-hmm. um, and so having not read this, the more I hear about it, the more uh, I'm jazzed about reading it. And, and one thing that's got me most excited is I, you know, I've known Howard for a few years now. I think probably. Shit, we first met in like 2018, I think, at Gen Con. Yeah, um, right. and, and so I can just tell how excited you are for this and how basically just lit up you are to to write stories about this character. And when you got an author who's that excited about it, um, I don't know. I, I feel like good things are going to come here. And I think, I think people will respond well. Uh, and also, just yes to sword and sandals, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, like if you're gonna, there's so many ways to skin fantasy, right? Or to, uh, I don't know, but you, you always got me at sword and sandals. Yeah, uh, 
it's i mean it feels like which is i feel like it's weird to say but it's kind of underutilized uh, and i mean i've said it many times that like I'm it's more utilized on screen isn't it right like, right you yes. get these weird movies like you've got your handful of really good ones and then you got these just crazy weird shit that comes out like every 10 years yeah like a spartacus something uh yeah gladiator or a, or, or a hercules unbound or a whatever yeah. the fuck right mm-hmm. uh, i just broke my pg <laughs> um now we got to put an explicit marker on it no no you don't but i'm always a proponent <laughs> of things i like settings that aren't just pseudo medieval europe especially yeah. if it has vikings in it everyone knows i hate viking i don't hate vikings <laughs> i'm just really tired of vikings um but you know yeah i, I that's it's 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 a why not and the mediterranean vibe too like i don't know i was so when i started reading it i was like okay it's just it's crispy it's like it's yeah i want to go there is the thing yeah right it makes you want to go there exotic um yeah no it's yeah it feels it feels refreshing well that's great to hear and hopefully the story's you know, I set out so that every one of them, I hope, feels different. So that if you're reading, it's like, oh, I read a story like that in the first half of the book. Hopefully it's like, no, it's hopefully every one of them feels like a different experience. Mm-hmm. I don't want us to get into some kind of territory where we're spoiling things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we're getting close. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. That, yeah, that's just I'm it. Trying, uh, I'm trying to avoid specifics. I feel like we've, we've pitched it. Uh, we talked about, you know, why you need to get into this uh, without ruining anything for me. Um, Howard, at this point, is there is there anything further you want to say about this series? And if not, if we want to move past it, you've got some other things uh, always on the go. We'd like to hear about those two. Sure. Well, like you said, I'm excited. I'm delighted that Bane's taking good care of it. I'm delighted that Bane took a chance. I proposed one I gave him a completed book and I had two um, two one page thumbnail outlines for the second two and three. I thought if I'd lucky to take one, possibly two. And in the proposal, I mentioned uh, that I had ideas for at least a couple more. And so when Tony Weiskopf just offered five straight up, I was like, uh, okay, that's <laughs> awesome. I feel like the luckiest. Yeah the luckiest writer right now um, that they're taking that big a chance on me. So uh, kudos to them for believing in this. And um, I do feel very fortunate and I do love this character and I know it's the best thing I've ever written. And I hope that uh, other people will enjoy it as much as, um, as much as I do. And I guess I, I, I'm kind of excited to have uh, more heroic. I think you've always written heroic fantasy from what I've read from you, Howard, but like. Carefully, I, he doesn't I, like definitions. No, I, <laughs> we've all had so many definitions over the time. I love. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah we have. Sword and Sorcery has no, uh, the community is just like, yeah, but what about, and this and that, and we all have a laugh. And one day we may feel differently about whatever else. Right. God damn it. Was I even going to say, Oh, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I I have an interesting thing because I know Howard and Logan, right. Uh, Probably Logan more, but I I know Logan has always really appreciated your work. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know how, how much he's digging this book, 
but I love how much he is enjoying the heroic characteristics of Hanover. Um, I like the idea that this is a guy who will stick up against bullies and things like that. Mm-hmm. And someone who will, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is a time where I, I too, even a guy who likes horror and grim shit as much as I do, um, I am, I'm happy to see some I altru- see, altruism in my heroes. I want to see someone who feels duty and responsibility, whose answer isn't just a snarky quip, who's not a boy man who just needs to grow up a little bit and then he'll be cool. You know, that's, that's awesome. That. He's yeah. not on a journey to find himself. He's found himself. He doesn't need any of that crap. He just needs to get the job done. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm tired of the the. And that comes through very strong in your uh, very very strongly in your writing. It really does. Oh, good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so tired of the hero's journey. I mean, the hero's journey is cool, but I don't need to write that anymore. I mean, it's 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 not that cool. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> well, you, you know what I'm saying. You know, yeah, yeah. I alluded to it earlier. Oh, I'm a young boy. I have a mysterious destiny. I'm going to talk to an old wise man. I'll I'll learn the secrets of my craft as I go, and I'll probably find some hot babe who I argue with for a long time, but then we fall in love against our better judgment. And you know, man, I, I sounds like the episode of the week on yeah. the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. Which is funny, because, like, when I think of the hero's journey, the first thing that comes to mind is the movie Clash of the Titans, which I think has a closer feel in, like, genre, sword and sandaly, heroic fantasy to Hanavar. So, like, you somehow circumvented the thing I liked least about Clash of the Titans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's, I'm glad you guys, I'm glad you guys are seeing that. I, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching, but no, I, yeah. I, I, I'm tired of those stories and I want to talk about duty and responsibility and honor and, but I want to have fun with it. You know, I'm not on right. a soapbox, right? Hopefully you guys are grooving on these things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. I also definitely hate, so. Uh, yeah. I hate uh, fiction where the message is in the forefront, like someone pounding on you with a hammer trying to get their point across. Yeah. yeah, you don't. You want it to be organic and subtle, as opposed to yeah, <laughs> hammering. But yeah. I, I don't know. That kind of goes back to um, what I was saying earlier about like the older man writing this. Like it's the same. It's the same thing that I would take with like. I'm interested in that kind of story now. The idea that you have to uh, make sacrifices or you have a duty, whatever that is, it doesn't mean for like anything in particular would just be the things you set out in your own life. These are the things I must take care of. These are the things I must attend to. Um, And I wouldn't, as a younger man had been drawn to that as much. Are you sure? Because, well, uh, no, hold on. Let me, let me, let me finish because (laughs) that's one part of my brain speaking. The other part is that like, even as a teenager or in my 20 somethings, I always thought the captain America thing was cool. It's that I, you feel the pressures as a younger man to live, a different way at least i did um and now it's kind of circling back right getting reacquainted with certain i don't know values and putting your stamp on things and the people around you and i'm just waxing about my own life right now and <laughs> where, well, where i've howard, gone but howard, like it's howard yeah, isn't it nice I, to see that matt is growing up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. i yeah. but slight no, arrested right. development slightly uh, um 
I read a lot of Westerns, um, specifically like I, my favorite series is the Sackett series from Lewis Lemoore. And mm. a recurring theme is that no matter where there's a Sackett, if that Sackett's in trouble, everyone comes to help them yeah. because, you know, they may not have met or maybe have met in parting because like they're distant cousins or whatever, but they always show up for each other. And I just absolutely love that. So, yeah. yeah. And Howard, you, uh, remind me a lot of myself because many of my heroes were real life heroes and Matt hit it perfect. You know, that, that sense of duty, responsibility, and, you know, uh, sacrificing for others, you know, Washington, Lincoln, you know, a lot of, you know, big military men, because I'm, oh, I'm really, into, yeah. those guys were huge, huge icons for me as a young boy. Um, I loved them and still do. And I think that's, what's really refreshing about yours. Uh, your character is that he's very much that type of person for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Audie Murphy didn't uh, set out. To yeah. Win a Audie Murphy. Medals. Yeah. Right. He didn't set yeah. out to win a bunch of medals because it was cool or because he was destined to do it. Right. One time a, a reporter asked him, well, why did you do that insane thing? I think it was after he held off. <laughs> so, okay. So, there's so many awesome Audie Murphy stories, but there's, oh my this, gosh, yes. time, there's this horde of uh, German soldiers heading toward their position um, and uh, they're overwhelming him. So he sends his men back and he climbs inside this ruined tank destroyer, which is on fricking fire. And he holds them off with a machine gun, but mm -hmm. they still keep coming. And so then he calls in a uh, airstrike on his position. And, uh, and he survives, right? And and he's, of course, he gets, I th I think that's uh, when he gets the Medal of Honor, but uh, there's so many times he could have gotten the Medal of Honor for all the other mm -hmm. amazing crap he did. Did you but read his book? Uh, yes, but it's been a long time. I want to refresh it. And then, um, what was I going to say? They ask him, why did you do that? He says, well, they were going to kill my friends. Right. You know, it's like, oh. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's th that, that whole Medal of Honor feel that that sense of uh, responsibility you don't get that i guess i'm going to go off on my star trek tangent real quick so the original conception of kirk he was written by veterans mm -hmm. uh right and sure shatner's kirk shatner's kirk was not destined to command he had to fight his way up the rank he earned that rank and then you look mm -hmm. at a new kirk as re-envisioned by these writers who uh, aren't veterans and don't really under seem to understand maybe uh, you know you know i i won't besmirch them but they don't seem to get the concept of a character who has responsibility they think that a leader is just destined to lead as opposed to learning it uh and the character's completely different it's not it's not this uh person of responsibility and duty who actually um there's no there's no sense of moral weight about his decisions or uh even the the vague sense that there's lives at, at risk that he's in charge of now are you talking about the version of kirk that appears in strange new worlds i haven't like... seen strange new Worlds okay yet. Uh, i was so, thinking of the, the one movies? from the reboot movies yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, sure so sure. you would be accurate um in both versions of kirk the new kirk and strange new worlds which is a fantastic series he is not the kirk of the original um, uh, mold. 
I haven't seen it, but that's literally the only complaint I've ever heard about Strange New Worlds that yes. Kirk is not the right Kirk, but it, he's he, not. He's younger yet. Is he? Is is there a sign that he might grow into that Kirk still, or is he possibly, just... possibly? But apparently, he's already a, a first officer on the Farragut. And I know we're going way off tangent, but <laughs> what you're saying is absolutely true. Those those. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Those attributes that make a person, you know, bigger than life, but it's not their. They're not swaggering. Just, yes, exactly. Yeah. They don't, it's not what they go around bragging about. It's what people are saying about them and their actions talk more than their words. Yeah. Yeah. Howard, uh, I got to ask is, was, did Brand McMorn, uh, come up in your brain at all when you were coming up with these things well i only ask because like um to me he's sort of robert e howard's duty character right the one who has to he's trying to save his people he's trying to i feel like he has a little more vengeance on his mind um than hanovar would from what i from what i glean Mm -hmm. um but to me that's what i took from him especially from the same guy who wrote conan who conan is the rock star having a good time doing his thing but he would also not want his friends to die. Right, because uh, but... that shows up when he's a king. I was thinking yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just that with with Bran McMorn, he's he's really doing this to vainly fight a war to save his people from encroachment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I got to think as a Howard fan that that some way might have factored in there. You know, if it, if it did, it was subconscious. I, I got to tell you, I, and I'm a huge Howard fan, as you know, and I've yeah. read it. Uh, I've read the Brand McMorn stories many times, at least my favorites amongst them, because some of the some of the Brand McMorn stuff is pretty early. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's not that much of a story as it is a. Yeah, there's one where there's yeah. a there's a character listing while he basically hears the entire story of the picks, right? I forget. Right. Yeah, yeah. Our last episode was literally about. Yeah, yeah. Those those stories sort of smash shot, but uh, but you know. Um, Robert E. Howard has had a huge influence over uh, my fiction. I mean, I probably would not have come up with the Baron Asim if I hadn't read uh, Kosru Malik's narration of uh, The Road of Azrael and heard that such a distinct voice. I, I love Kosru Malik. Uh, Do you – so, sorry, you mentioned the Baron Asim because they're my favorite. <laughs> uh, and uh, they have a banter about them. It's like buddy cop stuff. Yeah. Um, Hanovar doesn't quite get there, although he has some characters that have banter. Do you, um, I don't know if miss is the right word, but do you miss having two characters to, to play off each other at all? Sometimes, which is why I have Antares, you know, sure. yeah. Antares uh, allows him to banter some of the time. Yes. And yes. you've, yeah. And you've, um, he has different relationships with different characters, Right. Uh, he talks, for instance, with Cyprian in a way completely different than he'll talk with anyone else because he's an equal, right? Sure, sure, that makes sense. So all of these characters allow a different, um, different insight into uh, Hanavar and how his mind works. And um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do miss sometimes having a constant sidekick, but um, I miss I miss De Beer and Seam a little bit. To be perfectly, I, I do I too. I'm having so much fun with Hanavar that uh, maybe they can wait a little longer. That's fair. That's fair. But but I was uh, I was going to say that 
Robert E. Howard has had such a huge influence on on other stuff and his prose and the cracking pacing and his vivid colored imagination and his monsters. I mean, there's always a huge Howard influence over all of my stuff, but I think it's really Harold Lamb's shadow who hangs uh, very close over this. The the Cleek the Cossack stories are so tightly integrated mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, one after the other. Uh, he wasn't, uh, since he never envisioned them being collected as as like a season, he, he never designed like a season climaxes or anything. But I think this is, this owes Harold Lamb an awful lot, both because Harold Lamb introduced me to Hannibal and because Harold Lamb introduced me to tightly, uh, tightly connected serial storytelling. I feel like I know the editor of the University of Nebraska Press volumes of, of Howard Lamb. Or Harold Lamb. Yeah. Howard Lamb. I ruined the joke. <laughs> that, happens. that happens all the time. People will call me, hey, Harold, how are those Howard Lamb books? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert E. Lamb. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, Howard, is there, um, you know, your other endeavors... Tales from the Magician's Skull. We're on uh, episode, no, episode. episode. <laughs> issue, issue 10. Issue, issue 10 dropped. That happens no, no. to have a issue story. Issue 11. Issue yeah, 11. Yeah, 11. I, I, I'm trying to go back in time a bit to hawk oh. the, the, the issue that I have a story oh. in. Oh. <laughs> uh, with beautiful art by Justine Jones. Uh, peerless yeah. cover art by uh, <laughs> San Julian. There's the sword and sorcery, uh, you know, selfish hero. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> For no gain uh, other than my own. Wait, wait no, no, that's not what I meant to say. Uh but yeah, okay. So issue 11 is out. Is that just out to subscribers now? It's out to subscribers. And I think that means that the PDF will shortly be released as well. I don't really understand these things. I, I hate sure. to ask the skull uh, about some of these details, but uh, don't, don't do can't it, you, man. Can't yeah. you call him up on a phone or something or incantation? <laughs> uh, you know, no, you can't wait for him to contact you is what you do. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you that the last to be immolated list uh, only gets you so far, man. Yeah. <laughs> so be careful. Tread lightly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can get issue. I actually don't know. So uh, maybe anyone can answer this question. I was in on the last Kickstarter and I subscribed. Is that, are those subscriptions dead at this point? I don't know. I don't uh, know if the ones people are subscribing to now are from the website, but. Anyways, these are questions that folks could Google, I suppose. But yeah, they could probably Google. Um, you can ask Joseph Goodman at Gen Con, or possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I understand that he's going to be making a brief appearance as well. I'm sure he will. I bet you he'll return to this podcast if we asked nicely. Oh, he probably would. Yeah. Um, issue twelve is at the printer, and uh, thirteen and fourteen, uh, we're probably going to do. I've held off getting 13 ready to send to layout because we're probably going to do another thing where we get some photos at Gen Con and, and put them in. Sure. Um, but otherwise stuff's in pretty good shape to head out. And and my hope is that without further delays, we'll get uh, 13 and 14 to the printer uh, this year. So. Yes. Yeah, so you're doing, you're looking at quarterly basically, right? Right. Right. That's mm -hmm. the plan. And uh, it looks like uh, San Julian's been our steady uh, 
cover artist now for a while, and it's yeah. just been glorious. How old is that gentleman? Uh, he's got to be getting up there. I'm so yeah. sorry Ken Kelly. Ken Kelly didn't get to do any more for us. He did the one, and then he passed away. Yeah, that that might have been his last piece. Like, what else? What was it, his it, last published it, it, it piece? Might have I feel been. like it was that. Last I, I Last I saw, certainly. For the last Kickstarter, uh, we were trying to set up an interview with him, and he, uh, on his end, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't get the whole video camera figured sure, out. Sure. So I didn't get to talk with him, and I'm really sad about that. Mm. That's too bad. Yeah, he's a legend, man. There's, uh, I mean, that's I, I swear to God, some of the things I love most about Sword and Sorcery is the fact that like the writers and the artists are equally legendary in their own ways. Yeah, you know what? What other? I mean, I guess maybe second edition or, or certain Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I was thinking like a cover art. And, uh, roller skating, you know, those yeah. guys. <laughs> uh, ABBA and Star Trek. Get your big. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Well, gents, we've been at it for a while. Um, closing remarks. Fantastic work, Howard. Fantastic mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. glad you're. I'm glad yes. you're enjoying. It. Thank you yes. so much. And I hope that I can make uh, contact with you, um, maybe buy a book at Gen Con. Well, I will definitely be there, and I'm sure we'll be. Uh, I'm sure that I will see you. And if you don't run screaming from the skull, uh, I'll probably be somewhere nearby. Dean does not run screaming from anything. No, no. he doesn't. He just chops uh, wood. Dean, yeah, Friday, Friday evening, the Friday evening okay. after six at some point, we're going to be okay. uh, playing okay. some Conan RPG. I Perhaps with a, other than Howard and myself, um, another interesting player potentially. I won't give that away, but that's it's the skull. The skull yeah. will join you. <laughs> he rose a twenty every time. <laughs> <laughs> there is no critical fumble. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, fuck i'm dead i definitely impersonated him i am on the first yeah i don't know what it is on a pile of shit list yeah. okay. <laughs> hilarious well, guys uh, i mean listen it's always a blast howard this is your third or fourth time on here i think um i, I would love if we could make something happen at gen con a little sneak 25 minute episode or something we could put up we'll see we'll see yeah um Howard, anything final to say about your book or about sword and sorcery in general, or just say hi to people, whatever you want to do. You uh, got, hey, you everybody. Got uh, hey, everybody. I hope that you'll try out this book. Uh, I've been uh, shouting about sword and sorcery for what going on a quarter century now. And for a long time, it has felt like I've been shouting into the wind. And recently it seems that everyone is starting to take some interest in sword and sorcery. So, and I discovered that maybe I wasn't the only one shouting into the wind. And it's pretty cool to see all these little groups that are springing up wanting more sword and sorcery and talking about sword and sorcery. The thing that I most fear is that we're still so separated. Uh, it feels like a whole bunch of tiny movements that aren't really involved in each other. Like we're, it seems to be one of the problems of modern life that we're all in our tiny little bubbles and not communicating. And I don't know what to do about that. Um, I had hoped that, uh, I had hoped that there'd be some watering hole on the internet, some sort of gathering place where all of us could get together and put other differences aside, just enjoy the glory of sword and sorcery. So maybe, uh, 
maybe this Discord, the Whetstone Discord, uh, might still be that. Maybe uh, some other spot in the future could be that. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, let's let's enjoy it together. Swords together. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And it's that's something easy to do when you get together with people at places like Gen Con and you say hi. So if you're mm -hmm. at Gen Con, folks, uh, I don't know, drop us an email. We have a new website at uh, roguesinthehousepresents.com. Uh, and of course, Logan, they can email us anytime at roguesinthehousecast at gmail.com. It is also the email for Rogues in the House Presents. So when you sign up for your mailing list. Which you uh, will do. <laughs> it'll come <laughs> from the same email. Yeah, and if you want to follow on Instagram, uh, at Rogues in the House. Um, by the way, we have cleared all this with uh, heroic signatures, and it is okay that we are allowed to use this name. Just letting you know. Uh, at Rogues in the House on Instagram, where I share sick art twice a day, every day, usually. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty consistent. You get the, you get the occasional bit of, uh, you know, Beasley smut just to keep certain numbers <laughs> high. Gross. <laughs> um, but I try to, I try to, and I mean, I love Beasley's, no question, but uh, I'm also trying to share other things, little deeper cuts. And I, and I love the, I, I'm talking about my Instagram page right now at Rogues in the House. But <laughs> the truth is you, you get people who've actually not really seen this art before, just the way the hashtags work and the algorithms work. Yep. And they end up seeing this stuff and they're just like, oh man, this is amazing. You'll get a comment. I'd be like, right? You don't know what you're missing, man. The art, they, it ain't quite what it used to be. I mean, there's still artists doing that thing, but as a mainstream, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this is brought to you by the cranky old man on the soapbox podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to stop talking. Dean, you got anything else to say there? Nope. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I, yeah, I'm, happy that you've joined us i i should i was just thinking this as you were talking about all the things that you're trying to promote the rogues with i should have bought that other damn sword so i can extend the blade fridays <laughs> exactly. at least another week or two that's what disappoints me the most dean <laughs> is that you you could have afforded it that's one you know you wanted it that's two three is you, <laughs> you had a perfect excuse to purchase it quit being my wife <laughs> wait is your wife the one encouraging you to buy them she's always been 100 percent. she's like if you can afford it and you want it and it oh, makes man. you happy get I, it i love that my wife is the exact same way and yeah. like i see memes about this sort of thing online like oh my kickstarter order arrived i hope my wife doesn't answer right. the door it's like yeah. why does your wife hate you having joy i bet yeah. you she doesn't even yeah. i bet yeah. you're just being a dick Right. And she probably loves that you do this. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I have I have uh deliberately never purchased an acoustic electric 12 string. I love the sound of them, but I just don't play guitar enough anymore to justify the purchase. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. I love I love like the the middle period beetle bit, you know, like the nowhere man sounds like, yeah, okay, so what would I do? I'd pull it out like once a year and play like three or four Beatles songs and maybe some birds and then and then put it back in the case. Yeah, don't exactly. you don't you have a book coming out? Don't you have yeah, some kind know, of splurgy, right? splashy yeah. purchase to make, Howard? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't I come. need to write. I need to write book four as soon as book three is done. So, 
All right. Well, just know Get that at it. Just know that action figure guy here is encouraging you to spend money on bullshit. <laughs> you don't need. Okay? <laughs> well, gentlemen, I don't think All we're right. gonna go much better than that. Uh, Howard's brand new book, Lord of a Shattered Lands, starring uh, Hanuvar. That's Howard Andrew Jones. Book's coming out August 1st. Uh, if you want to pre-order, pre-order. If you don't pre-order, buy it when it comes out. Um, because we got to keep this sword and sorcery thing afloat. We got to support our local writer of heroic fiction. And uh, I think based on what you heard tonight, um, it's got what you need. I, I, I feel like all Venn diagrams lead to this book being enjoyable mm-hmm. to everybody who listens to this show. Uh, and if you do not listen, then to hell with you. And may your swords always remain sharp. You bastard! He's always insulting our audience. Always. 